The other week, um, my family moved. We got we got a new house. It's been a lot of work. Uh, any of you that have moved recently, as I know the parks have, it's kind of one of those things that you're excited about. But at the same time, when you start doing all the work, you kind of question the excitement and your recent choices. Right? You're just like, okay, I'm excited about my house, but this is a lot of work. You know, and we purchased a house that um, we got to do a lot of things here. Uh, has it really been updated since early 80s? Um, yes. Yeah, there's wood paneling, which is always classy. And, you know, we've been ordering a, um, a lot of different things to fix the house and to make it look the way that Kelly and I want it to, which is a lot of fun, right? Uh, Amazon is amazing. I mean, it has radically changed my life. How about you guys? I mean, radically. Like, you want something and it's random? You buy it two days later, possibly 24 hours, it shows up. And so if you're anything like me and my household, you've got a box or two probably throughout the week sitting on your porch, you know, whether it's $5 or $50 one. Um, but it's so much fun, right, getting those boxes and kind of unpacking them and trying to figure out what they sent you and does it actually match the description that was provided. Now, but I want you to imagine for a moment that you come home and there's a large box on your front porch. A large box. And you think to yourself, I didn't order anything like that. Maybe it was my wife ordered something that big, and yeah. amen, hopefully it didn't cost a lot of money. <laughs> doesn't ever happen in my house. It does uh, happen. It does happen. Thank you, Levi. It's Yes, it actually is me that buys most of the things. So they give you this huge box, and it's an unknown sender. You don't know who gave it to you, where it came from. You bring it inside. You begin to unpack it. And it's shiny. It's new. It's got lots of lights, bells and whistles. And it looks super complex, um, like an expensive machine. It's chromed out. It looks nice. And you're sitting at, and looking at this thing, and you're like, this is great. I don't know what it is, but it's great. Looks awesome. But you're just like, I don't know what it does. What is it? What is it good for? It looks good. I didn't. You could take your own life and apply it to the same situation. Meaning that, hey, we got a lot of different things going on in our lives. It looks good. We got bells and whistles. We got jobs. We got kids in sports, kids in school. We got bills to pay. We got friends to hang out with. There's so much going on in our lives. And it was good. Then the question you have to ask yourself, what is it good for? What is the function of my life? What is the purpose of my life? Is it just to look good and shiny? But in order to answer that question, as I'm sure you would start to do if you got a large package in an unknown object to up your house, you would start to look for who made it. The manufacturer's instructions. The same thing in our lives. That when we need to see our purpose, to see our function, to see what we are good for, 
we look towards Jesus. And that's what we're going to do today. Let's go to John chapter 13. We're going to start getting into the second half of John's gospel here. and Where John really wants us to be able to focus in on what this book has been all about. Jesus on his way to the cross. And really... What John wants us to understand is how important that is in our lives. So now we're going to start to see Jesus gives direct commands, direction, and talks. It's almost like as if he's talking directly to you and connecting the cross to our lives. And let's start off here in verse 1. It says it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress. The devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put things, uh, put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing. And wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet. Drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus said, you do not realize now what I am doing. But later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part of me. Then Lord Simon Peter said, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is, their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. We had finished washing their feet. He put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked him. You call me teacher and Lord. And rightfully so. For that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. We'll stop right there. So here at the Passover meal, this is Jesus's last night with his disciples before everything begins. Before his journey towards the cross. And he wants to have this meal with his friends, with his companions that he's been preaching the gospel with. Spending day and night with for the past three years. These are some of his closest friends on earth. He wants to spend that night with them. You know, when for, for this meal, there would have been a, been a U-shaped table. And around that table would have been all the disciples. And Jesus would have been at the head of the table. And those that were closest to him would be to his right and to his left. You know, and this would have been nothing odd to the disciples. 
You know, of course, if they've been with him for three years, this wouldn't have been the first Passover meal. It would have been kind of business as usual. But yet, during the meal, Jesus stands up, takes off his outer clothing, and wraps a towel around his waist. You can imagine the disciples and their confusion. And they're trying to figure out what is going on, Jesus. What in the world are you doing? And as he pours the water into the bowl and walks over to them, kneels down on his hands and knees and picks up their feet. Imagine just how that would have felt. How it would have felt to have Jesus holding your feet. You know, for the disciples, there and for everybody, you know, in that culture, obviously they didn't wear the same type of shoes that we do today. They would have open toed. So it would have been pretty nasty feet. Dirty. You would have been walking a lot. Dried and cracked. Not soft, pedicured feet here. These are working feet, if you will. There's Jesus cleaning these feet. Washing in between the toes of his disciples. I'm saying this is, this is your Lord and Savior. You know, what Jesus does here in this moment, he radically alters the way that we see God. Yeah. Now, if you look back throughout the Bible, you can see in 2 Samuel, Uzziah reaches out and touches the ark of the Lord and he's struck down dead. Yeah. Here we see God in the flesh reaching down and washing your dirty feet. Right. We see a God that is powerful. Now, stooping down to wash feet. We see that he's a creator of the world throughout Genesis. He speaks the world into existence. We can't even wrap our mind around what that actually looks like. Yeah. Although, as a culture, we try to define it so many times. and We can't prove any of our theories, but yet God knows it. He did and that's who's stooping down, washing their feet. We know in Luke that Jesus tells the wind and the waves to stop, and they do. He's command over the world. And this is who is washing their feet. You know, for culture then, this was a servant's job at best. Many Jewish teachers say that not even a Jew should wash another Jew's feet. That's beneath them. It's beneath them to even be that lowly of a servant. Only a Gentile could wash the feet of a Jew. The lowest of the low. And here's Jesus showing us this is who he is. And in verse 3, it talks about how Jesus himself understands that God has put all things under his power. And in fact, he has come from God. But what does he do in that last moment? He washes their feet and serves them. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You know, Paul so clearly describes what love is. And I'll read it for you guys here in verse 4. It says, love is patient and kind. 
Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no records of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. We can read that scripture and ask ourselves, is this how I love? And I don't know about you, when I read that, I can't check every box. But Jesus here in this moment encapsulates that verse so well and so perfectly. We see the complete package of what love truly is. You know, and back in John in verse 12, Jesus wants to make sure that they understand what the purpose of this action is. That they are to follow his example. That we, as disciples, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we have the example set by Jesus. In Philippians 2, Paul, once again, dives into this. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality of God uh, with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Here, Jesus clearly describes and shows us our function. Our purpose is to serve, is to love as he loves. Now, as as Christians, we are called to directly imitate him. And that's that's the key to life. It doesn't, it doesn't take a lot of work, a lot of deep thought, foresight. It's very simple. Love like Jesus loved. You have a manufacturer's stamp on you. It says God. It says Jesus. And he's given you instructions right here. You know, but there are some few things that we can take from this passage To really help us to understand what it means to love like Jesus. And one of the things that I see here is that you can't love from a distance. Jesus wasn't washing the disciples' feet by standing on one side of the room and kind of squirting them with a squirt bottle or throwing some water on them. Going, here you go, wash your feet. Wash your feet, guys. No, he was involved. He was right there. He was holding their feet, washing in between their toes. He was there all the way, no, halfway in the way that he loved and served his disciples. If we need to love like Jesus, then we have to be involved in each other's lives. We got to love the fellowship. You realize you probably spend more time with your coworkers than you do with the family of God. It's true. (laughs) When we come together, it's an incredible time, isn't it? be able to see your brother and sister in Christ and spend those moments. Right? But I've been there after church, perhaps on a Sunday or on a Wednesday night. I'm just like, I have to leave. I want to get out of here. I got things to do. I want to watch the Redskins lose. I got to go home. (laughs) 
They won't disappoint me. Thank you, Clayton. Right? And you just kind of put your head down, and you're like, no one's going to notice me. I'm going to walk out. Thank you. Right? But this is, if we're going to love like Jesus, we've got to be involved in each other's lives. And we only get a fraction of our week to do that. Right? Here in the fellowship. To ask some real questions. How are you doing? Amen. Or even the better question I like is, hey, I've noticed you seem this way. You seem happier. This, is something great going on? You seem sad. Is something going on you want to talk about? It's let me connect with you. Let me be involved in your life so I can learn to love and to serve you Amen. like Jesus. Jesus here knew the needs of the disciples, that they needed a good foot washing. And he was willing to get involved in a way that many of us would not be willing to, would not be willing to get involved to that level. Now, that's why Jesus chose to wash their feet. He could have done a ton of different things. To show them how to love. Right? He could have made them the meal himself. He could have just snapped his finger and the meal showed up. He could have given them like incredible things. It's like, hey guys, I'm heading out and here's a brand new car. Right? I mean, he could have shown them a ton of different ways and they would have felt so loved. An awesome car. But Jesus decided to do this one thing because he knew their needs. He knew it because they were, he was connected. Right. I think a lot of times as disciples, we can look around and say, well, there's no needs in this room. You just look down right now. Look down. Look down at your feet. Now turn your head to the right or the left. Do they have a pair of feet? Are there feet sitting next to you? Yes. The person is to your right or to your left. They have two feet. Guess what? They have needs. It's not that far to find them. I'm not saying you guys got to wash each other's feet today. All I'm saying, though, is that there are needs. We just got to look. Right. And all you got to do is turn to your left or turn to your right. The brothers and sisters in this room have needs. And Jesus has put you here to help meet those needs and to love like him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as North Beach... This is an incredible opportunity we have to bond together, to be the body of Christ, to show Virginia Beach what it is to be a servant and to be a follower of Jesus. You know, but in order to serve like Jesus, to love like him, it takes humility and sacrifice. Those two are often so tied together, aren't they? Sometimes I wish you could, that you could separate them. It'd be a lot easier. Yeah. And yet humility and sacrifice are together. Hard to separate those two. And with Jesus here, again, you can imagine the sacrifice that this would have communicated to the disciples. There was a special bond between them and God. That there was a special bond between them and Jesus. You know, and for us in this room, it's the exact same way. Go you know, think about it like this. If you're married, you have a special bond with your spouse. If you have kids, you have a special bond with your kids. 
You got a really good friend, you got a special bond with that friend. That's right. Right? You can say, I love them and I love my coworkers, but we all know it's very different. Yeah. Same thing with Jesus here. He's saying, hey, I love all the other people that want to follow me outside this room. But right here, this is my group. This is my fellowship. This is who I'm bonded with. And here, as the church, it's the same way. We are bonded through the Holy Spirit. We are bonded through the fellowship. Fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, we have more in common than many of us have even with our own extended family. How much more should we want to serve each other? Due to that bond. You know, here in this fellowship, it is like family. You know, I do want to brag about Kelly for a moment. You know, Kelly, we often have the same arguments as I'm sure many spouses and marriages have. The same one is coming up. She says, Jeff, you're the most selfish person alive. (laughs) (laughs) Leave that up to you to decide. (laughs) But then I look at her and she's one of the most serving people. Most selfless person that I have ever met. You know, a couple weeks ago we had um, some friends over to the house. Disciples, people part of the fellowship, and one of the individuals got really sick and ended up um, vomiting in the bathroom. And it, she, she, uh, she was so ill that she had to go on home and like immediately leave the house. And I'm sitting there at the table eating. Don't think too much about how I can still do that. Uh, someone's being sick in the other room. Um, and so Kelly's gone for a little bit. I'm like, she comes back 20, 30 minutes later. I'm like, where'd you go? She's like, I was cleaning it all up. I mean, that's family right there. Cleaning up someone else's sin. That's family. That's the bond we have here. That's the kind of service and love that we have connected as disciples in Christ. That we love each other to that point. You're not going to do that for your coworker. I mean, at best, you're going to grab like a hose and stand at a good distance. Not on your hands and knees, scrubbing. Cleaning up after someone. Serving them and loving them. You know, imagine if the fellowship was like that in here every time we met together. Whether in this building or at someone's home. Imagine if our fellowship was like we see here in John. We just love each other to that point. We want to serve, sacrifice, connected and involved to this level. Now, what's your attitude towards serving, church? What's your joy level like when you're asked to serve someone? When someone says, hey, can you do this for me? Or, hey, can you do that for somebody else? It's always the third person handoff there, right? That's always the best one. Hey, there's a need. I heard about it. Can you do it? Uh, Children's ministry, right? (laughs) Thank you, Daniel. Can you serve in children's ministry? Can you 
pick up this individual for church, not just today, but perhaps the whole year? Can you help out this couple that is going through quite a bit? Not just short term, but long term. Can you help someone who is sick? What's your joy level like? On a scale of 1 to 10, where are you at? You know, Redskins win a game. I'm like an 8. It's not too often. I find 20 bucks, which I did the other day. I'm like a 9. There's nothing like finding money on the ground, right? Of course, you pick it up and you kind of go like this. To make sure no one's going like this around you. You're like, 20 bucks? In my pocket. Right? That's like a nine for me. All right. What about when someone asks me to serve? A nine? An eight? An 11? It goes up to 11? I don't know. What about you? When it comes to loving and serving, in particular within this room. What's our joy level like? You know, I want to lift up Brian Belmont. He's sitting there in the back. For those of you that see him ushering and handing out communion, amen for that. There are many of you I know, and I can't list off all of you guys that have served, whether in sound ministry, singing, kingdom kids, opening the door, saying hi to people, you name it. Ushering, we can go on and on and on. But Brian, I don't know if you know this, but he's here early, 30, 45 minutes, sometimes an hour early for every service, yeah. every week, yeah. Wednesdays and Sundays. He quit a soccer league, right? In order to do that. He even at one point in time was talking to me how he talked to his boss so he could get out early in order to open the doors for us on Wednesday night. I mean, that's serving. What would your joy level be like if I asked you to do that? A 10? I don't think it's a 10. But we have incredible servants like that here within the church. You know, for Jesus, we see that he voluntarily gets up and washes his feet. When was the last time you did that? That you didn't wait for the need, but you went voluntarily and met the needs of someone else. I think too, much, too often we get too busy and we don't take time to look around the room and to see the needs and to be willing to meet those needs. Yeah. But as disciples, we need to do that. Because I'll tell you this, those disciples in that room, those 12, I guarantee you never forgot that moment. They never forgot that moment. They never forgot and connected it. They forever connected it to the cross and to who Jesus was. For us, when we sacrifice and serve and love each other, it for, we will not forget. It's what bonds us together. You know, throughout this month, we've been... Going through a campaign called Poured Out, right? And what do you know? We're ending here on this perfect passage where Jesus is literally pouring out the water. And we see him pouring out himself. You know, and the whole campaign is built around this passage. It's been building up to it. And we, as the Hampton Roads Church, we have called one another to be poured out like Jesus. To be poured out like him. 
that our lives should only be about Him. You know, this is a challenge for all of us. Whether you read this passage and get challenged personally, or you're just studying out the campaign for the past month. Because we can be protective over ourselves, consumed with selves. We've got a list of excuses of why we can't or should not. Perhaps even some of those excuses came to the surface this month. When we're asked to pour ourselves out, to love like Him. You know, if you feel like, man, this, this is hard, this is a challenge. I have not been loving like Jesus, I have not been poured out like Him. Starts with submitting to him. Yeah. You can't pour yourself out to somebody else if you haven't submitted yourself to Jesus right. first. And what we see here as we wrap up, we see that this washing of feet is just a preview of the cross. It's the preview of what is to come. That the Son of God is going to come to earth to serve us, to wash our feet, and it's soon... As the washing is over of the feet, he's going to wash our entire bodies with the blood of Christ. And he's going to serve us to the point of laying down his life. And when, when you think about it, he washed Judas's feet as well. And I don't think anybody could tell the difference between the way that he washed Peter's feet and the way that he washed Judas's feet. Nobody in that room picked up on anything. Because Jesus loved the sinners the same as those who loved him. You know, for us in this room, as we look back on our lives and realize who we were before we came to Christ, or even who we are right now, Jesus still loves and wants to serve you. To the point where he was willing to lay down his life. In Romans chapter 5, it talks about how in the moment that we were still sinners, Jesus died. Jesus would wash your feet, get up and walk to the cross and die for you. Now, and this becomes our motivation to pour ourselves out for Jesus. We see that his example here in washing his feet and washing their feet. But later on, we'll see as he goes to the cross, it becomes our push. We see here that his actions speak louder than words, don't they? It shows us how much he was willing to sacrifice for us and how easy it is to turn around and to serve and to follow him. In verse 15, Jesus could not be clearer. He says, I've set you, us, me, an example. If you were to, if you got a paper Bible, if you want to, in verse 15, why don't you circle the word you? Circle it there. Maybe draw a little line over to it or if you just want to cross it out and just write your name. Jesus set Kelly an example. Yeah. Jesus set Bill an example. Dave an example. Yeah. Kai an example for us to follow. He did this first. And if we do follow, it says that we'll be blessed. This is a word that's used to describe God. A way that the, that the uh, Jews would have described God, it was attached to the name of God. It's a title of honor. It's a title that we will get if we choose to follow God. That we will be named with him in the last days. As we follow him. You know, it is the end of the month. Holidays are coming up soon, aren't they? 
Does not feel like it outside with 80 degrees, but it is coming. You will be hearing Christmas music soon. <laughs> Halloween will be over. Christmas music time. We have the decorations in Home Depot already, pushing out the Halloween stuff. It was on sale already. I'm like, it's not even over. <laughs> and we're going to get busy. Life's going to start happening. We have to continue to pour ourselves out for Jesus. To have it not just be one month, but to have it be the statement of our lives. My question for you as we leave here today is what does that mean to you to be poured out like Jesus? It's going to look different for each of us. But I think it all comes back to the same thing, doesn't it? That we look like Jesus. That our lives begin to look just like him because we have poured ourselves out for him. You know, in the example here, it's an incredible example, so much that it holds water 2,000 years later. It translates exactly the same for them then to us today. Hardly any explanation needed. This is what it is to be a disciple. To love, to serve, and to pour yourself out for Jesus. Amen? Thank you, church. Amen.